Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to our 12th episode. I'm Adriana Carlson. And I'm Harriet Bogbean. And do we have a great episode for you. This week's episode is sponsored by lavender, cold peppers, potions, lotions, and teas. I thought we blacklisted them after you got into her hair growth potion and it covered your body in hair. Well, she sent me a lovely apology and a sample of her Who's Sweating Now? Yarrow Cayenne Tea. Seriously, who needs that? It says here, Who's Sweating Now? Tea will work you into a nice, frothy sweat complete with odor and residue. Ew, we really need to find a new sponsor. Sorry, Lavender. In other news, last week's episode entailed me meeting a group of ornery hobs on the road, snorting all over them, barely escaping with my life, and continuing on my journey to photograph the story weaver's daughter when she met up with the Queen's guard, Drefa. Enjoy episode 12, everyone! Penelope and the Hob King, Chapter 12 Penny emerged from the house with Drifa and Alarleirau. The slow rising sun magnified the brilliance of the morning. Hundreds of birds chirped and twilled above her, and the west wind tickled the back of her neck. She loved each morning in the new world, for every sunrise brought her closer to finding her mother. She sensed it in the energy of the women gathering their supplies and loading their horses. Ready to go? Drifa swung her leg over the back of a dappled gray horse. Her hawk let out a shriek on her shoulder, and she shushed him by throwing a piece of meat into the air. He pushed off and caught the meat before it started descending to the earth. Penny squinted after it and allowed Drifa to pull her up onto her steed's back. She wanted to try riding on her own, but fear clenched her throat at the thought of asking Drifa. The revelation that Drifa was indeed a friend relieved her, but also frightened her. Drifa had aimed an arrow at her neck before. Was this all a ruse to make it easier to drag her to the queen's palace? She held her silence, pondering how far to trust this woman, and looked back over her shoulder, hoping that High wouldn't have too much of a headache when he woke up. Her affection for him grew after their day on horseback. Apollo pushed his head through the window and neighed a goodbye. Loyal to the end, he stayed with his master. They left behind the enormous trees as they reached the edge of the woods and passed through a gentle forest. She relaxed, knowing that they were leaving the giant woods. She could see farther, and noticed the same cliffs the queen pointed out to her outside the cannibal baker's shop. The cliffs around her palace. She turned to Drifa. I recognize those cliffs. The queen lives there. Yes, she does, Drifa acknowledged but we will ride along them until the forest breaks up north. 
How long until we reach my mother? Penny grew nervous, thinking of the Queen's Fortress on the other side of those cliffs. Mount Helion is three days' journey from here. We will be there soon enough. Your mother is not there, but maybe we'll find some information to explain her disappearance, Drifa said. Penny groaned. Three more days? Anything could happen between now and then. The sun felt warm, but the air grew cooler as they continued north. She daydreamed about meeting her mother and how wonderful it would feel to hug her. She imagined an embrace, warm like her father's, but softer. She could almost feel strong, soft hands that would hold her face and exclaim how much they looked alike. Penny smiled to herself with the thought of looking like her mother. Movement ahead brought her focus back to the present. A man and woman stumbled onto the path far ahead of them, carrying between them a large basket. "'Who are they?' Penny whispered. Drifa looked up, unconcerned. "'They must be on their way to the Crystal Caves.' "'Are those near here?' Penny asked. "'Yes, we're going there first. It's not much out of the way. We all have family laid to rest there. And we all stop by whenever we can,' Drifa reassured her. But Penny grew annoyed. She wanted to see her home and find her mother, not visit the Crystal Caves. Why was no one helping her? She frowned with frustration. Anger buzzed in her head like an enraged fly. She barely heard Drifa say, My parents and two older brothers are in there. It seemed that even though Drifa was helping her, she was not too anxious that she find her mother. Penny sat back and churned in resentment. More people converged towards a large, gaping crag in the mountain's base. People hauled baskets, carried packs, and pulled carts full of belongings. As they drew closer to the entrance, vendors peddling all sorts of medicine, flowers, and talismans boasted the benefits of their wares. Poultices? Herb poultices? Stuffed by the mountain witches? A scrawny man covered in dust yelled from behind a handcart. Muscle builder! A jowly old woman barked ahead of him. When your loved ones awake, they will be as fit as a soldier. She carried a pole on which a hundred tiny bottles swung and sparkled in the mid-morning light. A heavy, barbed voice cut across the throng. I won't take your firewood. I'm up to my neck in firewood. A man stuffing feathers into pillows yelled at an old man pulling a cart full of firewood. Why only last week you take firewood for a pillow? The man protested. Last week I needed firewood, didn't I? And now everyone's brought me firewood. The man leaned over. What I'd really like is some nice fresh fish. The old man wiped his brow as his face grew red. Drifa and Penny rode up next to them. I'll buy a pillow. Drifa tossed a silver coin at the salesman. He grabbed at the coin and handed her a fresh, plump pillow, which she handed down to the man. Here, it's good to keep them comfortable. She smiled. 
He thanked her and hurried off with his cart. Driva bent down to the pillow salesman. If I hear of you taking advantages again, I will trample you under my horse's hoofs and give your cheap pillows away. I have a permit from the queen, the salesman jutted back, and I can report you to the queen's army for disrupting a business negotiation. And I am the queen's army, Drifa roared. The man backed away, nodding in agreement. Drifa spun around and met up with the other women. Penny noticed her hands shaking in anger, her eyes blazed. People take advantage of grief, Penny. I've never seen so many people using another's ill turn of fate for their benefit. She seethed. Penny nodded wearily in agreement. All she wanted was to see her mother. A harpist sat at the entrance of the cave, playing for any small coins the travelers could send her way. The air filled with melancholy chords. Penny and her escort tied their horses outside the entrance, where other animals stood waiting for their riders. Among the horses, deer, giant rabbits, and a large bear, wearing a saddle, also sat tied. Drifa released her hawk, letting him hunt while they were inside. The group fell in line behind the couple carrying the basket on the road. Everyone walked in reverence into the caves that protected their loved ones. The air in the tunnel clung around her. People jostled her, anxious to get deeper inside. She grabbed onto Drifa's cloak, afraid to separate, and hoped Drifa wouldn't notice her intimidation. White light gleamed from ahead. The pushing of the crowd intensified as they squeezed through a rough crack between two boulders. They emerged in a huge, gleaming room. Crystals the size of ships grew from the ceiling, pushing out from the walls and lining the floor. They walked on a path of dirt to avoid slipping, but otherwise crystals covered every surface. Penny arched her neck back, looking for the roof, but darkness swallowed the dome of the room where the candlelight faded. We are going to the main cavern. Drifa pulled Penny forward. The crowd thinned as people darted down different corridors, carrying comforting gifts for their loved ones. The warrior women with Drifa also dispersed, eager to see their families. Beds and cots filled with row after row of sleeping people lined the floor of the cave. They all looked at peace. Why are they here? She whispered, for everyone whispered in the crystal caves. When your mother abandoned our fates, many strange tragedies struck the land, including this. Drifa surveyed the room. Many died before we discovered that the crystal caves keep those in the death sleep preserved in the exact state they were in before. But Personette just got sick, Penny interjected. Drifa nodded, pulling her deeper into the cave. There are a few reoccurrences every year, and they do seem to happen at once, but we don't know what causes it. Drifa peered down the dark rows of perennial sleepers. That's why everyone blames your mother. It's the best reason they can come up with. Penny hugged her arms closer. The caves grew colder the deeper they descended into the earth. 
But you don't blame my mother. Penny shivered. Dreva walked faster as she scanned each row of sleepers. Your mother doesn't direct or alter our lives. She ushers life into the world and death out of it. If there's evil in the world, then it's our job to fight it. She plunged further into the cave. Penny trotted behind her. Ah, here they are. Drifa sighed. She walked through a row of sleeping bodies and settled down next to a bed with a bearded man and a brown-haired woman lying side by side and wearing heavy furs. The man held a large bow in his right hand, and the woman held a quiver of arrows in her left. Their free hands clasped across the cot on which they lay in a deep sleep on the doorstep of death. My parents, she murmured, my brothers, their wives and children, she motioned around them. They all lay in the same manner as her parents, some of the children clutching beloved toys, the parents holding weapons, all wearing thick fur. I owe so much to the queen. Drifa sat next to her mother and placed a hand on her arm. Penny glared at her. How could she say anything fond about the queen? You said you are a priestess of my mum, she accused. I am, first and foremost, a high priestess of the Weaver of Fate. But the queen owns me, as long as my family lies here, protected by the crystals and cared for by the queen's physicians. Drifa reached up and stroked the woman's cool cheek. Hi and I were young when our family fell under the death sleep. We had nothing to pay the queen for the use of the crystal caves. We, like many others, became indentured to the kingdom, both as soldiers. Penny turned away as Drifa's voice scratched with grief. They sat there in silence for a few moments more before she kissed her mother's forehead and whispered, I'll free you, I promise. She stood and kissed each member of her family, caressing the cheeks of the young ones and squeezing her brother's hands as she walked around them. She looked across the room one last time, then motioned for Penny to follow her out. As they walked back through the hall, Drifa signaled to her soldiers whenever she saw one. They lined up behind her and strode towards the entrance. The queen's husband and infant son are up there. She pointed out a staircase with a platoon of guards standing alert around it. Penny thought of the queen's son caught in a perpetual sleep. Born in the same year as she, but remaining an infant. Staying the same until death took him or until someone found a cure. She wanted to see the baby who should be 13 and healthy. But the guards looked mean, and Drifa was walking fast. They reached the exit of the cave and readied their horses. Will everyone be cured when I'm reunited with my mother? Penny tightened her grip on the horse, still yearning to ride her own. No, Drifa's tired eyes smiled back at her. It's hard to protect them from disease, and for those whose loved ones can't afford to keep them in the crystal caves, they may die of old age or disease, but reuniting your family may be a piece of the puzzle.
that reunites the rest of us, she said. Shouting voices interrupted them and caused a crowd to cluster at the mouth of the cave. A stooped old man pled on his knees in front of two large guards wearing black leather and carrying a stretcher between them. The old man scrambled about them, grabbing at the stretcher, pawing at their clothes, cursing them one second and begging the next. As they drew closer, she heard what the old man was yelling about. Mercy! Please show mercy! Show me mercy! He sobbed. The men holding the stretcher stared straight ahead. They lowered it under the shadow of a birch tree and turned back into the caves. The old man collapsed and sobbed over the body lying on the stretcher. Penny and Drifa crept closer. The old man kneeled over the tiny body of a girl, no older than six. He rested a hand on her forehead and looked to the sky in fear. Father, Drifa addressed him with respect. Why did they throw out your daughter? The old man looked up at her bleary-eyed and exhausted. Not my daughter, but my granddaughter. His hoarse voice croaked with grief. Her father died in the mines, and I have no means to pay for her life. He choked another sob and kissed the girl's soft cheek. Drifa sent out a sharp yell to the men in black who carried the girl out. They walked back sullen and suspicious. I will pay you for this man's debt. She dug into her pack. They shrugged. One stepped forward. One hundred queen's coins. He stuck out his hand. Drifa started to haggle them down, but a loud gasp interrupted their discourse, and Penny turned to see the old man sitting in shock as his granddaughter aged before his eyes. First, her body lengthened, twisted and bent. Her joints protruded at sharp angles as her legs and arms stretched from her body. Her skin pulled tight over her bones. Her face went from round and rosy features to stretched and hollow. The once healthy six-year-old now lay before them as a dying 18-year-old, and she had slept through it all. Penny turned away in fright. The old man's cries ceased, and he looked on in horror. Hate-filled eyes turned to the men in black leather. Her life is on your heads! You and your children's children's children be cursed. Penny backed away. She saw Drifa hand the men in black leather the money he required. Then she turned and comforted the old man as the men carried the stretcher back into the caves. Penny made her way to the horses and rubbed Drifa's chestnut mare on the head. She buried her face in its mane and breathed in the scent of hay and sweat. Tears pricked the corners of her eyes, remembering the grotesque transformation of the girl, all for one hundred coins. A touch on the shoulder interrupted their flow. She sniffed them away and turned to Drifa. So sorry, Penny, she comforted. 
The longer you're with me, the more disease and death you'll see. It seems to cling to me. Penny shook her head. She felt saddened by those in the death sleep, but all she thought about was finding her mother. If they were together, everything would be solved. The girl would wake up. Drifa's family would never have to be thrown out of the caves if Drifa and Hai could no longer work for the kingdom. The rest of the isle would heal. What will happen to the girl? Penny asked. She may live. Drifa helped her on the horse. If she ever awakes again, she will have the brain of a child until adult experiences teach her otherwise. Penny sighed, and Drifa dug her heels into her horse. The others followed them up the mountain. We hoped you enjoyed episode 12 of the Story Weaver Chronicles. Please feel free to subscribe, review, and share. Good news! I think I found a new sponsor for our show. Who? Grugok's Handy Helpers. Got grain to thresh? Wool to weave? Your local Grugok is happy to help. What on earth is a Grugok? Oh, they're distant cousins of mine. Naked? Hairy? No taller than four feet? Uh, I think we're still looking for a new sponsor. You had me at naked. It's not the hairiness that done you in. See you next week, folks.